Goodness gracious, am I ready for you guys to hear this one? Episode 74 is coming at you. I'm your host, Gavin Sauters, and welcome back to the Whitetail Bloodline Podcast. My guest, the one and only, Jackie Bushman, the Buckmaster himself. He doesn't need much of an introduction. If he does, you're living under a rock, and you should already know who he is. So we talked to Jackie about how he grew up in Alabama and gained the passion for the outdoors and hunting, which led him to developing Buckmasters, which is one of the most well-known names in the industry. He was uh, the first cable television hunting TV show, which is awesome. Been running for a couple decades and still doing it to this day. He's got a lot going on. We talk about all that. Talk about his favorite buck story and just what he's been doing throughout these years. But without further ado, I'm going to stop talking. Let's get Jackie Bushman on the phone. How's it going? Good morning. Good morning, Jackie, man. It's a pleasure talking to you. My pleasure. Jamie's been working, trying to get us together for a while. So this is Gavin. Yes, sir. I think say it's just me on this one. Tyler was going to join, but he got called into work. So you got me I got today. you. All right, Gavin. Well, let's, let's knock this thing out and hopefully I can help you a little bit. Yes, sir. So Jackie, I'd just like to start off a little bit of background on you. Just about everybody should know who you are. You're one of the biggest faces in the industry. But uh, for somebody who might not, just a little background on you and uh, what you've been doing for these past few decades. Well, you know, uh, I guess I got the oldest face in the industry. We've been doing it as far as television. We're the longest running hunting show in TV history. Uh, my idols way back was Kirk Gowdy and Gritch Gresham with the old American Sportsman. And they ran 23 years. And uh, that's the only thing that would get me inside uh, is to go watch their hunting and fishing show. But we've been really blessed uh this will be our 37th year on television and uh my buddy bill dance i think bill's 82 so uh he's over 50 years on tv so uh but it's we've just had a great run we we, we thoroughly enjoy what we do it's, uh now there's what 400 hunting shows and four different outdoor networks so i guess if we were considered the pioneer of bringing deer hunting back to television uh so be it but there's so many great producers out there doing wonderful work to represent our sport and we're real proud to still be part of it yeah and one thing i like about you i was reading up about you and uh when you got your start you wanted to bring that kind of that campfire that uh like that hunting camp camaraderie into uh like the big picture kind and i thought that was cool because that's where i'm at we're we're a young company we just got our start and uh, I believe you you started to like your your vision back in uh, like 1986 when you were 29 and I'm 28 about to be 29 so I'm kind of right. right there with you and I just love what you're doing man I love just the things you do and the reasons you're doing them for you do them for the all the right reasons and you've been doing it for so long so I mean it's working well one thing you got to do no matter what you what you're going to be involved in you got to study you know your competition you got to study really what what do you want to accomplish and when i got into this deal um there's one thing about it you got 11 million deer hunters well you got 11 million egos that go with this and you know you talk about you know trying to tell somebody how to hunt and i i learned a lot and and basically what i i started finding out is that I wanted to be an entertainer, outdoor entertainer, and not a deer hunting expert because there's a lot more people out there that know a lot more about deer hunting than I do. I just happen to be on television. So once I started figuring out uh, the things that they liked, I always thought the hunting clubs were so much fun because we, you know, we would have fun. We're cooking and eating and drinking and 
and telling stories and, you know, and just having a good time with the family and the guys. Um, I wanted to bring that, you know, format to the TV show in some form or fashion. And then we got into doing pranks and bloopers and, you know, stuff like that. And I watched my buddy Bill dance do a lot of that stuff. So the bottom line was just having a show that entertained people and got them ready for the deer hunting season and, and, and enjoyed the family experience, uh, of our sport it just started making more sense to me, uh, to, to, and you know, there's, there's some folks out there, you know, I always say, you don't want to talk down to your audience. You, you want to talk up to your audience or at least even with your audience. And that's what I've tried to accomplish over 37 years on TV. Yep. I like that hunting club thing too. Cause I grew up in Virginia and this is one of the topics that gets a lot of hate is, uh, we ran dogs. I did that for a few years, like seven years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I enjoyed it. Just like the whole side of you meet up with everybody right there in the morning, like you're saying, oh, yeah. lottery, you're just hanging out. And uh, yeah, I loved it. And I moved to Indiana and it's, I haven't had that camaraderie in years. So that's why I started the Whitetail Bloodline. I wanted to get some close buddies and yeah. get our name out there and try to help some other hunters along the way. And that's, yeah. that's our vision is basically the same vision you got. That's why I love what you've been doing and just everything you've created over the years. And you're just fun. Like your interviews you do with the guys, your TV shows, they're not boring. They're, they're, they're entertaining. Like you were saying, I just highly enjoy it. One thing well, was pretty cool when you came out with the Jackie Bushman show, uh, I think it was like 2005. So I was a, I was a young pup. I was like 11. And I remember watching mm-hmm. that. I was always interested in photography and videography. And I remember watching your show and then I would sit there and grab my camera, grab my little action figures. And I don't know if you ever seen those little claymation movies where you take, like you hit the record for one second and you stop it. So I was doing that stuff and you were a big inspiration for me to get into filming and starting to, to do everything I am. So I truly appreciate you for that. Well, you know, you know, Buckmasters is still, you know, the premier show. We, we, we've done Jackie Bushman now for 17 years. We're going to probably move it over to uh, social media now. Uh, But I was looking for a different format, more of an inner, more of a talk show format, because what happened was I was on the Nashville national network and they had what like 85 million subscribers and then we had and they got rid of us uh all uh, hunting and fishing shows so we we moved everything to the outdoor channel but we needed two television shows to try to get the household delivery back up close to uh, what we were delivering for our sponsors so we went to a different format just uh and to have a talk show format and you know be able to help some of these young producers get some visibility and uh and I hope I've helped them, you know, in their careers. And, and that's just kind of what that thing set up is. And I mean, I had a game show. I mean, I had all kind of stuff going on with the show. But again, just trying to be creative and entertaining that people will, you know, want to sit down. And I always said, if somebody can sit down and watch one of our shows, can they laugh? Will they cry? Can they pick up a tip to shoot a big deer? And can they just enjoy the whole experience? That was the goal of the show. Yep. And uh, one thing I want to talk about, you always hear about people like once they're already in the industry and how they're killing these big bucks. One thing I'm interested is kind of how you got your start, because to be doing what you're doing, you had to have a giant passion for the outdoors and hunting in general. And I I know you grew up in, I believe it was Alabama and you hunted with your grandpa a lot of you. You kind of want to talk about that, just how you were growing up and how it led you to have this passion to start this amazing company that everybody knows nowadays. 
Yeah, it's uh, my grandfather. Uh, my dad uh, was a, a big athlete, a professional athlete in tennis and, and basketball and stuff. And I have a uh, that's what I did. I was a professional tennis player and grew up playing, played collegiate and then played professional. And uh, my grandfather was the one that got me in the outdoors. My dad didn't hunt or fish. So my grandfather was the one that got me into hunting and fishing and we would always go up. I'd have a tournament, tennis tournament in Rome, Georgia. We would play that in the summer. And I would always, I would win the tournament in front of it and I'd win the tournament behind it, but I would never win the tournament in Rome. And my daddy never could understand that, but the brim were always on the bed then. And my granddaddy and I were going fishing. So I'd lose that first or second round. So we could go fishing all week. So, uh, <laughs> and my daddy to this day don't know that. So, uh, but that's okay. But, that's where I got the passion from. My, my dad's brother liked to hunt and fish. And, uh, I just, you know, being a, being an athlete and competitor, I mean, this hunting thing was, is, you know, having a white tailed deer kick your rear end 24 seven, they got, it really got into my blood. And, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. My granddaddy, you know, took me out and taught me all the basics and stuff and hunter safety. And then I really got into it. And, um, and that's one thing, you know, when I was playing professional tennis, there was basically in a, in a minor league situation. I was top 125 in the world at one time, but you know, mostly that, you know, minor league stuff. We played guys in the top 30, but that's the guys that was Bjorn Borg and Jimmy Connors. They were number one and two in the world, but top 30 in the world made money. Uh, the guys in the hundreds and two hundreds, they just, they were just making enough money to get by. But I came, I got, I got off the circuit, started teaching tennis. I was a city tennis director here in Montgomery. And we ran promotional events. We ran the Blue Gray Tennis Tournament my dad had put on. It's the largest collegiate tennis tournament in the country. And then I had the, uh, the Alabama Junior Clothes, which was like 500 kids. So I got the promotional event experience from my tennis. And my good friend Ray Scott here in town started Bassmasters, which I'm sure you're familiar with the Bassmasters. And, and Ray was in my hunting club and he, he kind of helped me along how he got bass going and kind of the formula and stuff. So, I mean, we're as diff different as apples and oranges, but it's kind of similar to the same concept, trying to bring deer hunters together. And basically I started with a promotional event and that's kind of what Ray started with. Uh, we didn't have a magazine, we didn't have circulation. So we had to start a promotional event to get the buzz and you weren't even born then, but there was a deal on M NBC called a uh, uh, superstars event. And it's where it took uh, former athletes, whether it was Muhammad Ali or Joe Frazier or Bruce Jenner, you know, in those days, whoever it was, they had track and field and swimming and all this stuff. So basically I took that format there and, and put it to an outdoor format. And you had knife throwing, hatchet throwing, skeet shooting, bow and arrow golf, ATV obstacle. And then I had my friend Bo Jackson uh, come in. I had, I think, Lynn Dickey, the quarterback of Green Bay Packers, Jody Davis and Rick Sutcliffe, Chicago Cubs, uh, Johnny Lee, the country music singer. So I started with that format. And um, I was calling the networks, ESPN and TNN, about doing a hunting show. And they hung up on me by the time I said hunting. So, um, so I called TNN back and said, look, I've got an event. They said, no hunting in it. I said, no hunting in it. So I said, it's set up like the old NBC superstars and the producer of Bassmasters was down here. And they said, well, I'll let, we'll let you do a pilot and you let Dan Black, uh, Dan Black Productions that does Bassmasters produce it. Then we'll let you have a pilot at 10 o'clock on Sunday nights in 1988. So 
you know, I had Wade Boggs there and Bo and all these guys, Earnhardt, uh, on the pilot. And they put it on 10 o'clock. And on that was Sunday night. And I was teaching the tennis lesson Monday morning at 11. And my dad's best friend was Perry Mendel, the owner of Kindercare Corporations. And he was the one that had uh, basically sponsored the tennis tournament. And he asked me what I wanted to do besides hit tennis balls to kids and old ladies the rest of my life. And I said, I want to do what Ray Scott did for bass fishing, but do it for deer hunting. So he was helping me get it going. And uh, he called me and said, there's a private plane that just flew into Kindercare to want to talk to me. And uh, I was still, I was ringing wet. I was just getting through with the tennis lesson and went up to the boardroom. They said, son, you just gave us the highest rated show ever on the Nashville network. And we want to hear what, we want to talk to you about doing the first uh, hunting show on cable television. So that's how it all got started. But my promotional event and the tennis side is really what started Buckmaster. And to today, we still have the largest promotional events, whether it's the Buckmasters Expo, whether it's the Buckmasters Life Hunt. I've got the Squirrel Master Classic coming next week, which is the biggest uh, for uh, small game hunting, featuring our 4-H kids and world-class squirrel dogs. So we're basically a promotional event company that is in the magazine business and the TV business and the digital business and all that. So, uh, that's kind of the, how we got it going. Wow. Jackie, I thought you were pretty cool, man, but I, I didn't know you were, you did some professional tennis and met all those guys like Bo Jackson. That's awesome. He's like, he's one of the best that's ever done it. Oh, there's no question. And Bo was, uh, you know, went to Auburn. I went to Auburn and, uh, and he loves the outdoors. There's no question, but I was able to, and Jeff Foxworthy, uh, what I did, I provided these guys a, a way to escape away from their, you know, taking them deer hunting. They all want to go deer hunting. Plus, they wanted to help the sport. So, um, you know, they reached out to me, and they are all personal friends. And I, I've always thanked them so much for, uh, you know, a lot of these celebrities won't won't take a stand, and you know, and it's unfortunate in the world we live in. But yeah. those guys love hunting and fishing. They have no problem, you know, telling everybody they they love the sport. Yeah, that's that's how I am. That's the cool thing. I got three other guys on my team, and we're all different, just like all people are different. And I'm that guy. I, I got a pretty loud voice. I'm not afraid to tell you how I feel. You know what I mean? If I, if I believe in it, I believe in it. I'm not gonna try to stray away from that just to make other people feel better. Just that that's just how I feel about it. So well, I've done it. Like I said, I've had to deal with all the animal rights people, which are totally clueless. Uh, if you got five minutes to sit down with somebody and explain to them what conservation is about and what our role of hunting and fishing is about, it's a no-brainer. Eighty percent of the yeah. people won't ever hunt or fish. Ten percent are hunters. Ten percent are animal rights activists. But they have a lot, lot, a very loud voice, and you cannot let them push you over. And uh, they don't like getting on the radio with me. Uh, I got too many, too many stats that they can't handle. So, uh, yeah, but that's exactly. fine. I'm, I'm glad to take a stand for the sport. And you know, as I'm getting older, I know there's a day out there I won't be here to be able to enjoy it. But I'm, I think the older I've gotten, the more I've enjoyed getting out in the woods. Uh, I, I call yeah. it God's house. I, I go to church eight months out of the year. Uh, yeah. he, the outdoors, outdoors is one of the greatest creations he ever made. So, yep. And I think you said that well, too, just because, like you're saying, like the PETA people or the animal rights people, they're just uninformed. And I've learned that, especially social media is getting popular. They'll comment. And I just I'm not rude about it, but I let them know. I'm like, If you ever want to have a conversation about why hunters do more for animals than anybody else in the world, feel free to message me. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you yeah. why we are, you know. And, you know, they live in a plastic world. I mean, they've never yeah. been out to the outdoors. And, you know, you would you know, I've taken folks out there that 
didn't know what we did or didn't like what we did. And once you took them out there and exposed them to them, wow, this is cool. I've never had anybody that I took hunting or fishing didn't come back and, and enjoy the sport, you know. So, but yeah. you cannot have emotion and politics in wildlife conservation, and that's what the animal rights thing is. It's all about politics and emotions, and you can't let somebody in legis in the states legislate on emotion and politics for wildlife conservation. It doesn't work. So, uh, it is what it is. One thing I thought was really cool that you do, you do a lot for hunters. You do stuff for the veterans and uh, a lot for the kids. And I can't think what it's called right off the top of my head, but uh, I know you got like a little foundation or something like that. that you it's, do. The, it, it's the Buckmasters American Deer Foundation. And we've been yeah. doing uh, our Buckmasters life hunt for golly, I've 20 years now. And um, we've right now, I think after 30 something years, we've done 8,000 disabled hunts. We've wow. bought adaptive, adaptive equipment for all those folks. We've taken 900 terminally ill kids to the field and over 500 wounded soldiers. So, um, and that's just something, you know, personally that I just like to share the sport, but I got involved with a gentleman who passed away a few years ago, David Sullivan, and he was in charge of the Alabama handicaps association and wanted to know if I want to do a TV show. And I said, absolutely. I'd love to, but I was a little nervous going in cause I didn't know how to act or what, you know, what I needed to do and what I did. And they made it real clear right up front. We don't want you to feel sorry for us. We don't, we just need a little access and a little help and otherwise treat us like you normally do. And once I was told that, man, I was off to the races. So, uh, yeah. I was there out of the wheelchair tires, they were cutting my shirts and stuff. So, uh, <laughs> we had a lot of fun, but I remember we put that show on, on, on the Buckmasters. It was our highest rated show of all time. You know, it continues to be that, but we basically started a network nationwide of people that thought they were completely disabled that could never get out to the outdoors. And, and David and his gift, we have never found a disability. We couldn't find adaptive equipment for. So we have been able to get so many people back to the outdoors uh, and, and these kids with cancer that don't want to go to Disney world or they don't want to bicycle. They want to go get their first deer. These are things that we want to be part of. And we're proud of what we've done and uh, we'll continue to do that. But, you know, until you, sit with a mom and dad and a kid for two or three days and see what they go through. You don't really understand and you really appreciate, uh, being able to share the outdoors with them. And a lot of them have passed away, you know, but yeah. those three days is what they wanted to enjoy. And, and Buck masters were proud to be part of it. So, you know, I worked, uh, when I was at Auburn playing tennis there, I worked with a lot of disabled kids and, uh, a lot of the athletes did. So, kind of touched me way back in the seventies and I've always wanted to continue that and be able to do that with the outdoors, uh, means more to me than anything. And now I have a grandson who has down syndrome. So, uh, we're really excited about, you know, watching him grow up and being part of his little world. So, uh, I don't know, just keep, you know, you live day by day. That's all yeah. you can do. Yeah. I can say those kids will remember that forever. Uh, we want to do something similar to that, take some veterans out or some young kids. We try to, I've taken out quite a bit of people. I'm only 28 and I've taken probably close to a dozen people out for their first time. Got a couple of yeah. their first year. There's just nothing like that. Like I've killed some good bucks, but just hunting with my little nephew, he killed his biggest buck this year. And sure. Jackie, I've never been more fired up in my life sitting in that box yeah. watching him shoot this three-year-old buck. It was just, yeah. it was awesome. Well, you know, I always tell everybody, you will always remember and you will never forget your first buck. You will remember the feeling, the excitement, the adrenaline rush. And, you know, as you continue to hunt more and more, 
you know, it'll never be like that first one, but you still get that adrenaline rush. But to be with somebody and share that with them on their first one, it, it's it's deja vu, man. It takes you it takes you back to why you started and why you and, and to see their face. And we've started a program, and you'll see a lot more. It's called Share the Hunt, and uh, we started it this year. It's going to be a big campaign next year, but uh, and that's what we're talking about. Not taking everybody. We assume everybody take the family and the kids, but you know, getting somebody from the ball field or from church or from work that, you know, don't have access or maybe never even thought about going hunting and, and taking them out and see it and, and let them enjoy the experience. Uh, that's the only way our sport's going to grow. We've got to be able to share it because we probably got less land and less access. And that's, that's a, that's a problem. So, um, but it, it's all about sharing. And I was able yeah. to take two, two people out that had never been, uh, before, uh, and they got their first buck and I thoroughly enjoyed my experience with it. Yeah, but I got a little family property. It's about 27 acres, and I do some management on it, and I try to shoot mature bucks. But we got – my parents are big in the church. I grew up in the church, and they got some mm -hmm. friends that just – like you're saying, that it's hard to find land now and hunting public land. If you're not, like, real diehard about it, it's hard. So we'll yeah. let them come hunt our little 26-acre, and if it's their yeah. first deer, like, shoot whatever you want. That's your first buck. Yeah. I was like, shoot whatever. I was like, after that, we're going to talk a little bit more. We're trying to manage yeah. it, but – we're all about giving people opportunities. We've on our little 26 acre property. I think there's been about five or six people that have killed their first deer on it, which is pretty cool. Well, that is cool. I mean, it's, it's you know, it doesn't matter whether you got 26 acres or 10,000, you can, you can take folks out and still enjoy the experience. You know, we're on, a, we've got like a dough program. We've got to take X amount of dough. So we, you know, try to bring people in, let them shoot some does for us. It'll help us. And they get a chance to, to go hunting and they get a chance to take some venison home with them. So, Yep, exactly. And one thing I want to touch on that you said earlier about working with like the disabled veterans and stuff is because we've worked a lot with them. I've done a lot of community service uh, in my life. And one thing, they, they just want to be normal. They don't want to be treated any different, even if absolutely, uh, even if they're disabled or they got like mental problems or whatever. They, they all just want to be treated normal. Like my dad had a really good friend. He had Down syndrome and he loved my dad because my dad talked to him just like he was a normal guy because like yeah. most people most people don't they change their voice for him they just talk to him completely different my dad no. didn't he just he would give him he would give him some crap you know if he was doing some yeah. goofy things and just give him crap and he loved my dad for it yeah well that's you just got to know how to act and I, I was and once you know i was told some things and then i was perfect I, you know you just you don't want to feel sorry for him i i just had somebody sit down and say hey look this is the deal okay they've got a disability it's not their fault but that's the cards they were dealt Okay. Treat them just like you normally would. They do need a little help. You know, if, they, if we got to braille some ground blinds or we got to do a ramp here, we need a little access. That's it. Otherwise, personality wise, they're no different than you. So yeah. once I learned all that, I was fine. And, uh, and I thoroughly enjoy, I told everybody if I could only do one television show, that would be it. That's my life hunt with the terminal kids and wounded soldiers. And, and that would be the show I would do and I'm continue to do it. So, uh, but, you know, as each year goes by, you know, everybody gets a little older and, you know, uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed everything that we've done here at Buckmasters. And, uh, my main thing is, is, you know, we, we couldn't do it without our subscribers. You know, people subscribing to the Buckmasters magazine is really given and being part of Buckmasters nation has given us the opportunity to do the things we do, uh, you know, for the veterans and the kids and stuff. So if folks are listening to the podcast, we'd love for you to be a subscriber of the Buckmasters and, you know, it's the best magazine out there. We've got digital content, got a little bit of everything if you're a white-tailed deer hunter. So, uh, but no, I mean, it's been a great run. We're going to keep running. Good Lord willing. Yep. 
Speaking of magazines, my my team member John, he's the big butt killer of the team. He's killed two two hundreds and a one eighty one past three. Years. Wow, wow! And he want he wanted me to give you a little crap because he's waiting for one of his bucks to get on the rack magazine. He's uh, well, he's, if he's got a two hundred, he will he will automatically go into the. Uh, he needs to get it scored. Has he got it scored by BTR yet? Yeah, you guys already got it. He was supposed to. I think it was the magazine was supposed to drop September, but like I told him, I was like, dude, that magazine, that game's pretty hectic. So I'm sure. Yeah, I need to find out. Make make sure you get me his information and stuff, and I'll go back there to the editor and see uh, what the what situation is. Okay, I just I just had to say, John wanted me to give you a little crap. Yeah, (laughs) but uh, yeah, Jackie man, uh, so you've been doing this for so long. You've been airing. Uh, television like you said you're the first cable what what are the differences you've noticed going back from then because cameras have changed a lot i was even when i was young i was rocking those shoulder vhs cameras so what's some difference you've noticed is it a lot easier to do it now with the modern day oh yeah there's no question the hardest thing back in 1988 was and these cameras cost fifty thousand dollars and weighed 25 pounds but the light gathering the light gathering capability is what was hurting us and the bottom line is i had to pass more deer because the famous two words of my camera guys was don't shoot and they didn't have any light and i had some of the biggest deer standing right under me that i could see perfectly see my pins but the but the cameras could not gather the light. So in the mornings, we were starting about 20 to 30 minutes after everybody else was hunting. In the afternoons, we were having to quit 20 minutes before, you know, prime time shooting light. So that made it almost impossible. That, in the early days, I went to Texas because those te- the deer in Texas would walk around pretty much in the daylight most of the time. And we did most of our shows in Texas. Um, so, but that is probably the biggest thing that's changed. The, the cameras now cost 3,500 to $5,000 and have HD quality. And they only weigh, you know, three or four pounds, you know what I'm saying? Compared to what they used to be. So that has been a huge change in the television business for sure. Uh, is that. Yeah. I couldn't even imagine lugging up those big cameras in a tree stand, man. I'm sure a few of them had to have gotten dropped in those early days. Oh, I, I watched one do a swan dive, uh, and I can still see it in slow motion and we didn't have any insurance on that puppy. So, uh, oh, yeah. we had to build a tree on, we had to, uh, that was one thing that we designed, uh, because my cameraman way back, Gene Beilsbacher, uh, he'd carry that 25 pound backpack with the camera 25. He was carrying 50 pounds of stuff, but he was going up in the tree and, and having to put it on his shoulder and video. And I was saying, and as we kept looking at the footage, I mean, you know, he, he did as good as he could and it was steady, but I said, we got to build a tree arm. So we built a tree arm with a, a head that pivoted on it. And that way we could put the camera on the tree arm and keep the uh, footage smooth. And then, I mean, we basically created a whole business for folks now that have tree arms and stuff like that, but we had to do that. And then we had to make the tree arms even longer so they could pivot to go on both sides of the tree. So those are the things I remember. And then, you know, we were up there, we didn't have any safety belts on or any of that stuff. Uh, I mean, it was kind of crazy. I wouldn't even think about going up a tree now without, I've got a hunter safety vest with the lifeline in, you know, I mean, we were crazy doing some of that stuff. Uh, we're blessed we're still here, but uh, tree stand safety has really gotten uh, really a lot better. And I think everybody really needs to think about that before they go out. Uh, but yeah, a lot of technology has changed back in the, from 1988 to 2023. 
Yeah, and even for me, I'm 28, and it's it's changed since I was a kid. I never wore a harness since I was probably 16 or 17, and now I feel naked without one. I just like ah, I oh. feel right not having my. I wear a hunter safety system, and they're just more yep. comfortable now. Like the first ones yeah. that came out, they were just so uncomfortable. So guys were like, "Screw this, I'm not wearing it." But now yeah. like, it's 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 perfectly fine with me. I can throw it under my jacket and yep. have notice it's there. Well, I always say, don't do it for yourself, do it for your family. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So if you, you know, and we've lost a lot of people, lost their lives falling out of these trees and tree stands. And, you know, I always recommend, please go back and check your tree stands, you know, just cause it was up there last year, go check your straps, go check everything before you go get up in it. And uh, I think you'll be a better hunter for it. So that's for sure. So this is the whitetail bloodline, Jackie. I got to hear a whitetail story, man. Do you have one that comes to your your brain? I know you've been doing it for a long time, so it'd be a lot harder than me to pick <laughs> one out. But if you can think of one, I'd love to hear it. Well, you know, everybody asks me, what's my favorite buck? And they're probably saying, oh, I'd probably say the 192-incher in Alberta that was under the pivot way out there. And he finally got up with a dog and came to me, and I was fortunate to make the shot. But no, that's not it. Oh. Uh, I'm going to go back to Myrtlewood, Alabama with uh, my good friend, Coit Jordan. I was 15 years old. Uh, and I was, uh, we were getting through with uh, the basketball. I had a uh, basketball game that night at Lanier and we drove down to Myrtlewood and I had a 12 gauge shotgun with double off buckshot. Yeah. And, um, we were going to do a silent drive. Coit was going to get out in front and I was sitting on this big old oak tree. And, uh, and I was going to wait for these deer to come by me. And I, I remember I'm sitting there and all of a sudden I see a, a deer coming and it ends up being a six inch spike and I have no scope. I have no nothing. I just have a, a 12 gauge shotgun. I got my back to the tree and I'm, I'm, I'm shaking and I'm breathing so hard. I can't, I can't stand it. So, and finally, uh, he's looking back, you know, cause court basically went in and put his scent into the bedding area and he's bringing it my way. So he was paying more attention to him. So I'm trying to get the shotgun up on my knee and everything. So he finally came down there about 40 yards and, uh, I was fortunate to make a good shot. And I just, I just never forgot that feeling. I just, I'm still to this day. I, sh I, I just remember, I can smell the oak tree. I can just remember shaking and, and, and how I felt, you know, with my buddies and stuff like that. So it's just a, a moment that I'll never forget. I, I'm truly blessed of the deer that I've taken with a bow. I'd probably say my, my, my greatest feat was shooting a grizzly bear with a bow and arrow. That's well, something. How far, how far was he from you? He, he was on the ground at 32 yards along with another grizzly on a walrus in Alaska. But Fred Bear was oh. my idol. And Fred Bear was left-handed like I'm left-handed. And I always wanted to do that and to shoot the top of the food chain, which not many people have done with a bow and arrow. That was kind of my highlight. Uh, but to be able to shoot a grizzly at 33 yards was pretty intense. I can promise you it was a little different than any whitetail hunt I ever went on. So As you say, there's some adrenaline. Then there's a little fear. There's, there's more. There's that. more than a, there's an adrenaline. There's a pucker factor. There's <laughs> You call it, it. It's all right there. And it's a dangerous situation you know, to go with it, uh, too. So, But, no, those are a couple of uh, uh, stories right there. But we've just been real blessed. And uh, if I don't ever shoot another deer, I've been totally blessed to – take some great ones over the years but it, it really has been not about how, how big a deer i shoot it's just hopefully i've entertained folks when they've sat down and watched the show over the years yeah that's it's funny you said that, that you were a kid doing pushes because that's some of my favorite memories too and we were 15 16 years old just getting 
into hunting real hard by ourselves and they're like hey let's go do some deer push and you you kill one with a close buddy it's there's nothing like it especially when you're that young age too oh yeah yeah we had a blast doing it we we did it for a long time and then we everybody kind of grew up had to go to college get married and all that and we separated but uh uh now i'm doing it with my grandsons i took my grandson for the first time this year and he got really close he got he got the gun up on a small buck got the safety off but just couldn't get the right shot so he's excited and i look forward to taking him next year and hopefully getting his first deer so it's just you know paying it forward that's all i can tell everybody just pay it forward man it's a great sport let some other folks enjoy it too with you yeah i don't want to take too much of your time jackie but i'd like his you were in sports for a long time, so you're very competitive. And I'm just curious, uh, does that go hand in hand with like hunting whitetails and running your business being that competitive side? Cause I know you said you look at everybody and like other companies, see what they're doing. Cause I do that. I oh, absolutely. Like, watch other podcasts, see what they're doing. Cause you got to stay informal, I think, or informal. Yeah. Well, I mean, competition is life. No matter God gives you a gift, you just got to figure out what it is and then go do it. But you're competing with everybody in every business. So, but you know, the thing about whitetail deer hunting intrigued me and, you know, I was a pretty good tennis player. Okay. I wasn't as good as Bjorn Borg or Jimmy Connors, but I wasn't bad either. But once I got my basics down and I practiced, you know, eight or nine hours a day, that separated me. When I got into whitetail deer hunting, I was putting a lot of time in the sport, but I wasn't being very successful. And I really, and, and I had an older guy in my hunting club who, you know, every weekend he'd shoot a deer and, you know, I never would shoot a deer and I couldn't figure it out. So he, he finally took me to the side and started teaching me basically the basics of hunting whitetail deer. And, you know, it, and once I learned my basics and, you know, in any sport, it's, it, then it becomes repetition, you know what I'm saying? Just doing the same yeah. thing right every time. But, you know, I had no clue about the wind direction. You know, you got so many tips and this and that. Number one is wind. You can throw everything else out. The wind direction is the key because the keenest sense of the whitetail is his nose. So I had no clue about wind direction on how to approach a stand, how to place a stand, where the bedding areas were, and the transition areas and scrapes and all that. But I learned that. Once I learned that, then I started being successful and learning how to walk in the woods and being 6'3 and, you know, blending in with the stuff. So there's so many things he taught me and I'm still learning today, but, um, it is a sport that will kick your rear end 99 out of a hundred. But when they mess up that one time, that's the, that's the joy part of it. So, uh, but it's a patience game. It's not for everybody. You know, my son could care less about deer hunting. He did it a little bit. He likes to bird hunt. He likes to duck hunt. He, he likes the action. Um, I like to deer hunt and I like to build fish. There's a lot of patience in both of them, but when the moment happens, you don't forget it. That's for sure hundred percent hundred percent so one little last thing i want to talk with you jackie is nowadays everybody and their mother has a podcast everybody's doing social media and youtube and trying to build a business trying to build their dream that's what we're doing here right now so what's some advice for somebody that's been doing it longer than just about anybody that you can give somebody like me who's trying to build uh, their brand and trying to make it in this industry well i mean i, I tell everybody if you want to get in it i mean but you got to create your own following. You got to create something that's different and unique that people want to be part of your team. So, um, you got to figure that out. You got to throw some things out there against the wall and see what sticks and what doesn't. But, uh, I always say, don't let anybody ever say no. And I can't, you know what I'm saying? So everybody told me, oh, it never worked this and that. I just have always tried to stay positive 
on, on trying to make things work, but you know, don't let somebody outwork you. That's my dad always taught me that there's no such thing as an eight to five job. Uh, if you want to, if you want to be successful, you got to eat, drink, sleep it. So, uh, and then just try to figure out what's working and, uh, and whatever's working, try to add more to it and just stay at it and surround yourself with good people that believe in you and that you trust. And that's, that will be your biggest thing you can do. Yeah. I think that's probably, honestly, probably the biggest thing I've done was surrounded myself with like-minded people who have this diehard white tail passion like I do, because mm-hmm. I've been running this since 2020 and I've had uh, 10 other guys on this team that said they were going to be about it, said they were going to put in the work and then they just didn't want to. So with me putting in all this work, like every day I'm putting in multiple hours, you know, you, yeah. you run a business, you know how it goes. And they didn't want to put in the work and I'm not just going to backpack everybody. So I uh, finally found three guys that are about it. And past six months have been big. We've, uh, we got you on a podcast. So it's, this was a dream come true to talk to you. I had to call my dad yesterday. I'm like, you ain't going to believe who I got on a podcast <laughs> tomorrow. Cause I grew well, up you watching can... you, man. Like Sunday mornings, me and my old man would sit there and watch your TV shows growing up. Well, tell your dad, I said, hello. And, uh, yeah. like thank Jamie right here. Jamie's been sitting here. She's, Hey, they're trying to bring me on social media. I thought I was too old to go on social media, but obviously, you know, we got some folks that want to watch it. So I'm learning myself how to, how to be on social media. So, uh, it's just a different, you know, you got two different folks. You got, uh, the forties to the seventies, love the television and the print. And then you got your age group that like the social media. So we want to blend in with everybody. Yep, I thought it was honestly really awesome. I was scrolling through TikTok, and then I saw you doing those, like, duet videos. I'm like, Jackie Bushman is doing these on TikTok. I'm like, let's That's go. Miss That's Jamie. Awesome. Yeah, Jamie yeah. got me going. So That's awesome. Yeah, I appreciate Jamie. She's helped us out a lot, man, uh, getting you on here. She's been awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to be part of it. I, I wish you all totally the best of luck in, in, in your business venture. And as I said, try to get somebody out there and induce, introduce them to the sport. And it'll be a, uh, it's something you'll appreciate and, and, and really admire uh, seeing their face and how they react. So, again, good luck to you all on your deal. And I appreciate you letting me be on your podcast. Yes, sir, Jackie. Appreciate you, man. Have a great rest of your week. All right, buddy. See you. See you.